0: Hello and welcome to the Your Life Choices podcast with me, John Deeks. Our mission, as always, is to deliver independent, authoritative information to those 50-pluses and anybody else who's interested. And You're most welcome. I have a a fabulous person on the line to speak to on our podcast today, Dr. Tony Lindsay, a clinical and health psychologist who's been working with adults and adolescents for over 10 years. Now, Tony works at the Chris O'Brien Lifehouse, in the oncology and hematology departments and a specialist in the care of adolescents and young adults with cancer. You're on a whole bunch of committees as well, and I don't have time to go through it all, but believe me, uh, we're speaking to an absolute uh, top-notch expert, Dr. Tony Lindsay, when it comes to talking of of all things cancer and how one navigates through the incredible labour of uh, emotions when it comes to that terrible diagnosis of the big C. Tony, welcome to the show.
1: Wow, that is quite a welcome. Thank
0: you. It is a welcome and it's a big subject. Um, You know, if you get a cold or if you, you know, cut yourself or you have an appendectomy or something, it's very, you can see it, it's that, it's okay. When someone comes to you and says, uh, we have found a cancer, which is a big, big term, you feel so incredibly hopeless. So you just sit there and you go wow, what the hell? I, I, I can't necessarily see it. I mightn't be showing too many uh, symptoms of this disease. And there's so many different types of cancers. What an incredible journey you've gone into to uh, help people through that labyrinth of emotions.
1: Absolutely. Because as you said, I think sometimes it's uh, almost the diagnosis that people have in their heads is, that's absolutely not what I want to be happening.
0: And you also think of it as a death sentence as well. That's the first thing, well, I'm going to die.
1: So I think you're right. Like pretty immediately people kind of the first thought is, am I going to die? And then kind of following that is the raft of emotions that come, which might be anything from relief in the sense of I've had this thing going on for a really long time and no one can tell me what it is. So at least now I have an answer through to kind of blind panic and fear. And so there's there's a whole range of things which people bump into and it's you know often might be things that people have never encountered before
0: what what led you to this particular field before we get into specifics tony what what led you as a as a psych um it's an incredibly uh traumatic and very emotional uh place you've gone into
1: yeah it's look i'm i'd like to say that i had some really strong kind of strategy and planning that went into my career i'm not sure it happened quite that way but it's definitely kind of have ended up in a place that obviously I've been doing this work for a long time, I think. Um, so I initially did my training as a clinical psychologist and was working primarily with adolescents. And then I guess through my training transitioned into working for a charity canteen with adolescents and young adults sure. who cancer. Sure,
0: canteen is then very
1: well known, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then kind of found myself working in hospitals and have been here obviously for a long time. And from a psychology point of view, the nice thing about doing kind of work with people with cancer is everyone's pretty motivated to get better both from a physical but also a psychological perspective which in my line of work actually makes my job quite a lot easier but I think as well you know I get to have some really really important conversations with people at really important times of their lives and that you know absolutely there's some really really tough days in that but there's also a lot of really kind of lovely days where we get to you know work together with someone around kind of managing something really complex and see them come out the other side of it.
0: How have things changed over, I think, some something like a decade you've been doing this particular branch of your work?
1: You know, from a psychological sense, there's probably not been a huge amount that's changed, but actually in the physical way that cancer is treated, loads of things have changed. So even thinking back to 10 or 15 years ago, you know, the things that people might have been diagnosed with that then... Six months later, we would be saying to them, we've got no more treatment options. And now might be things that people are living with for a really long time. So, you know, examples of that might be things like melanoma, lung cancers, or certain types of lung cancer. And so in some ways, actually, the cancer kind of landscape has changed for many people. So coming back to what we were saying before, you know, I think very much 15 years ago, there were absolutely some cancers that, this, you know, when someone was diagnosed, They were looking at, okay, how much time do I have? Whereas now that conversation might look very different. Um, And there's obviously, unfortunately, some people that we don't have the ways that we can treat that. And um, I guess fix, I'm doing that in inverted commas, um, the cancer. But you know, there are, for many, many more people, there is lots of opportunity for treatment and actually living a life with cancer rather than having a sentence of, okay, we, we think that this isn't fixable.
0: I go to my doctor with a lump on my neck and he goes, yeah, okay, Um, how long have you had that? Oh, about six months. Well, you know, wish you'd come to me earlier. Go off and get a a biopsy. Here's a specialist. I go off there. They take a a sample and they say, look, uh, we believe this could be cancerous. Then I have it removed. And whereabouts in the chain does Dr. Tony Lindsay come into someone's life?
1: People like myself normally will kind of arrive usually sometimes after people have had their initial kind of diagnosis and surgery. So we occasionally might get referred someone pre-surgery um, and that is often um, at times when people might be wanting a bit of guidance or some support around how to make decisions about a particular surgery over another surgery or things like that. But most people will probably get referred to us around the time that they start having either some symptoms of anxiety or depression or other things and we know in the cancer population there's number kind of as high as 50% for Mm. people that experience that so it's quite significant group of people or we might get referred depending on the service that people might come in contact with they might get referred automatically so for some tumors in different hospitals you might say for instance if you're diagnosed with a brain tumor you might get an initial referral straight off the bat just to say look we know that this treatment is going to be pretty grueling and pretty full on. So we Mm. want to put you in contact with someone. So it quite depends on, I guess, the services and how they run. But often in adult services, it's a flag when, you know, if somebody's saying, you know, I'm just feeling like I'm not coping as well or I'm a bit more anxious or a bit more worried, you know, I'm not sleeping, things like that, they might get referred on to us.
0: You deal with adolescents, you deal with adults. Uh, Yep. how do I put this? Um, who do you prefer to deal with? I mean, as a, as a doctor, <laughs> you would say everybody who comes through my door is treated equally and I fully understand that. Is it different talking with a young person like I'm talking like in a 12 and below as opposed to somebody very old like me?
1: really a difference. So I guess probably I would think of almost three separate groups. So you know that kind of under 12 group which is probably the group that I don't do very much with anymore unless I kind of accidentally come in contact with them via a parent being unwell or the group that I kind of work primarily with I guess is now those people who are kind of 15 to 35 and then the kind of third group is that group 35 and over. And kind of the distinctions I make around that aren't necessarily around what people present with, because actually that's pretty consistent across the board, but it's often more the things that are happening around people at that time. So obviously someone in their 50s is dealing with really different life stresses than sure. someone in their 20s. Sure. And so it's it's much more about kind of what's happening around the person rather than the actual kind of cancer work itself if that makes
0: sense do children handle it better if, if for want of a better word than perhaps and um, and this is generalization of course yeah. but but kids i guess because they don't have maybe yeah well, obviously they don't have family they don't have a mortgage they don't have all those stresses of which you just spoke of but um, kids handle sickness so differently don't they
1: yeah, absolutely. I mean, particularly little kids, you know, they they might not necessarily remember a reference point outside of being unwell. And so for them, that's just really normal life. I mean, I think probably one of the joys of being either a child or a young person is that you adapt to life pretty quickly and mm-hmm. your brain helps you out a lot in that. Um, and so, you know, the biggest of challenges that young people like see primarily is around how do they maintain a sense of normal and social connection and you know if they can't go to school or they can't go to uni or they kind of fall behind their peers, that kind of stuff is often the more challenging. Yeah. Whereas um I guess thinking about older adults, often that stuff is around, you know, my life is established and I've got these kind of things in place. How do I maintain those things while I'm going through treatment or how do I kind of communicate with the people around me about what I need?
0: Do you ever get down? Um,
1: it's, a, it's an interesting question. I mean, I think there's absolutely, you know, and coming back to your kind of comment about all, all patients, you know, if you give the proper answer, all patients are equal. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think there are absolutely some of my patients who I've known for a very long time who I'm quite connected and engaged with. So when things aren't going well for them, I, of course, feel sad around that. But I think one of the things that kind of helps sustain me in this work, and, you know, I've spoken with lots of my colleagues around this, is actually it sounds a bit strange, but it's actually really nice work to do with people because mm. you're meeting people in this space that is, I might be the only person in the world that someone has told about their fears and anxieties oh, about their cancer. Sure. And sure. so, you know, there's there's something really nice about being able to sit with another human being in that space and do things that might be helpful. So, you know, I absolutely, you know, if I were at a dinner party and tell people what I would do for a living, people invariably give me a pretty stern kind of stare but actually lots of the work we do is actually really lovely and I get to meet lovely people, but I also get to meet their families and try and help them navigate through this really complex kind of health system as well.
0: Uh, I'd like to move on to your book, which you've just released. Is it your first book, Tony?
1: Um, It is my second book. So the first one was... um, Around a kind of guide for health professionals around supporting young people living with cancer. So, this is my first book kind of foray into helping people out in the world.
0: It's the Cancer Companion uh, How to Navigate Your Way from Diagnosis to Treatment and Beyond. How long did it take you to come up with those words? How to Navigate Your Way from Diagnosis to Treatment and beyond, because you're not saying to, you know, cure, you're not saying, you're just talking about how you go through the journey. The wonderful words, are even on the front page. That's fantastic. Oh, thank you. Did you come um, up with that?
1: I came up with it with a little bit of help. So um, well, we, it's, we were it's, it's definitely kicking around a few options.
0: Okay, um, well, I- get, let's get away from the front cover and uh, go, <laughs> go into the guts of the book. Uh, tell me what was your stimulus for writing the book and uh, lead me through uh, some of the, its, it's major points that you're trying to make.
1: So this book came about for a few reasons. So one was that it's really common that when people are in my consult room, and I'm assuming in many other people's consult rooms, they'll say to me, do you have something I can read? And so for years, I've been kind of trying to find something that was a good fit and couldn't. But then I guess the other kind of piece of that is I kind of sit at a, you know, I'm in a big tertiary hospital. I've got lots of kind of people in the team that I work in that will refer patients to me. However, there's lots of patients that might never see someone like me who might never see one of my colleagues or, you know, or might be sitting in a much smaller health service somewhere else that doesn't have access to psychology or other things. And so what I guess part of my purpose of writing was how do I help people get access to some of these strategies that might support them? Um, you know, as I mentioned earlier, we know that distress and anxiety particularly are really high within the cancer population and, and also with people that care for people with cancer. And so thinking about, well, how do we, you know, get some of that information out there for people that might just help them navigate through this and might be able to pick up some kind of helpful little tips along the way.
0: Well, it's a sensational book and um, it's one that is – it should be in every waiting room uh, just because I don't think there's any, any of us who haven't been touched by somebody or themselves uh, with, with, with cancer. And it's, it's such a broad term, cancer, isn't it? It's like, you know, uh, there's just so yeah, many absolutely. types. And, and this is just a wonderful way to, as you say in the front cover, to navigate from diagnosis to treatment and beyond, Tony. So congratulations on putting this book out. It's available now through...
1: Um, so it's available through our publisher, Excel Publishing, mm-hmm. um, but also through wherever you can buy good books.
0: All right. So, look, if, if you know somebody, if you believe to, this could be a great help to them then and comfort, then I do highly recommend Dr. Tony Lindsay, The Cancer Companion. Uh, it's it's not to be feared. It, it's very positive and it's very uplifting. And Tony, more power to you as you move forward. And I'd like to be able to think that perhaps uh, sometime in the future we might get back together again and have another talk about uh, maybe your next book. Have you got thoughts about what you might do after this?
1: <laughs> oh, it's, um, that that's the um, million dollar question, isn't it? I would definitely like to have do some extra work around some support for carers and things like that. So there's definitely a few things clicking away in my head.
0: Helping the helpers. Good for you. Indeed. <laughs> Thank you very much for giving up your time. I know you're very busy and uh, good luck as we move through the rest of 21 and in, into the future.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much.